cost drifted alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. Ground is soft, it's not it's, oh, not, it's not, heavy. It's soft on time. So it's it's heavy. Okay. And a huge welcome to the Bastards Inquiry Sunday Sermon. My name is Lee Keys of systembet.co.uk and with me chewing the fat as always on some very interesting topics this week uh, is John Ling of John Joe's Blogspot. Welcome again, John. Good evening, Lee. Yes. Um... We had it. We had it rough yesterday. It's fair to say. I mean, it was. I think it was just about the roughest day of 2021 for me. Um, and I always find doing sermons difficult the day after because I, I want to be cheerful, but I'm miserable as sin underneath. <laughs> but, but that's the way it is. That's the game. You know, we can't we can't get it right all the time unless we're Quentin Franks who blitzed the game yesterday with the November handicap winner. Um, at 10 to 1 advice, Farhan, and um, a nice drifter on the all weather at Wolves as well. Uh, we, we got Sim, Simcock, John, and because uh, <laughs> we got put off because obviously Simcock holds everything up, but didn't put Franks off. He had a lovely uh, uh, max bet on that, and um, and Julie did the business on the nose, and we, we may as well quit the Naps, Naps table now, aren't we? Well, I think <laughs> so. I mean, uh, I can't. I... Our only hope, really, is him being even worse than us at the jumps. <laughs> I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling he is. I've got a feeling he is. I, got, I, I, I genuinely feel he's a he's a flat bully. He's a he's an all weather track sectional timing bully. Um, so we'll have we'll have to get him on some shows where he's got it. He's only allowed to tip on jumps. <laughs> Up deep at first loss. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I say we'll, we'll run Naps table until uh, Lincoln. So what we'll do is, well, that's that's it'll stand, and then we'll reset the, the numbers when when Lincoln starts again, and then finish it when November handicap runs. I think that's probably the best way of running um, Naps table for the future. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's. Uh, We've we've definitely got a job on looking at the table. I think Quentin's something like forty three points in front. Anyway, on to uh, Saturday, uh, where it was a, a complete disaster. Um, what did you make of the fair at Doncaster? Personally, for me, John, I was very frustrated. It, it, it was kind of red car s for me, um, where basically if you were drawn high uh, on the straight course, you may as well not have up, yeah. turned up. It was yeah. it was. Again, it's another example, and we, we keep saying this on past episodes about overwatering, and it's it's clearly having an effect because how can it's the same it's the same track it's the same how can one side be that much quicker how can the centre to far be that much quicker than the stand side on the on the very same bit of turf same at red car it's it's a mystery to me I'd love to we've tried to get Clark of the courses on but. Um, Sadly, they're they're all a bit um, podcast shy um, for probably obvious reasons. Um, but did you agree with that, John? Yesterday with the draw. Well, this is it, isn't it? I mean, Doncaster and Redcar at the minute, the far side look as well. They've got their own micro climate. Yeah, I mean, and it, it told for me because my best bet, Gifted Master, was drawn twenty-one, and I and I'd, I'd had more on the horse eight to one yesterday morning, and. Um, 
it went off about 12 or 13 on the machine. You know, obviously the Shrewdies knew um, that that wasn't, that had not got to open hell uh, it, from that draw. Well, from that box, it had no chance of winning Eurovision, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, so that's what disappointed me with Donk. And it's a recurring theme for a lot of flat tracks now. And to be honest, when you first stated that tracks really should be all, the lot of them, rip the turf up, stick all weather down on every single track for the flat. Um, I was like horrified when you said that. And the the more you think about it and the logicalness of that is, is, is yes, it's a, a massive, massive favour, a massive favourite of that now. But they've got to spray it green, as I've said before. Uh, anything anything catch your eye, Donny, really, or anything that, that you found interesting going forward? I thought overall the card was a bit of a damp squid, to be honest. It was... It's disappointing fair, really, for the flat to go out on, isn't it? You know, I mean, the November handicaps lost a bit of its sparkle, you know, there was no real stars. You know, I mean, you could say the winner put up a, a nice performance, but really, really you know, I mean, it's a, it, it fizzles out like a like a damp Roman candle on bonfire night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the real, the real shit ones, the one like, like yeah. a shit firework. You, you uh, nail the shit out there and the spin round twice and just go. And <laughs> that was me Saturday, to be honest. Yeah, that sums me up. Yeah, I, I did. I, I, I agree with you. I think the meeting didn't feel to me like it used to. I mean, all the, the glory days, like we Ashley Carr landing big gambles, batswing that won the. The November handicap, and I just—I don't know. Maybe it's me that's just probably a bit nostalgic, but it didn't feel like like a a great day's racing on the flat to finish. Like you say, a, a good analogy there, John. Um, Wing Canton and uh, Aintree, anything take your eye there? Again, you know, I mean, to to me at the minute, it's just like wallpaper racing. You know, it, it, it's it's there because there's a wall there. You know, you know, like, yeah. there's not a lot grabbing my attention, really. I thought, uh, I thought the Trevor Emmons asked why he fancied run a pretty awful race. At yeah, um, it, it's almost like it either can't be asked to jump or they've not sculled it well. In fact, I'm amazed that Twiston Davis, who is notoriously good at getting a horse, you know, ready first time out of offences, it's his, it's his trait, you know. Uh, that's why I had no fears. I thought, well, this this should, you know, but it's like it had never seen a fence. I, I know. I mean, you assume it would have scaled well because, as you say, he's normally exceptionally good at getting his horses there with a good fencing technique. And to take it to what I think is actually one of the trappiest courses, them, them, them fences down the back can come on you fairly quick. And to take it somewhere like that, if that's the standard of its jumping is shown at home, well, very strange. Yeah, it was. So that, that was uh, for people that didn't um, listen to the Friday's podcast. It was Onshin in the uh, 148 entry. Uh, me and John were rather surprised at how badly that jumped for a Twist and Davis at first time also over fences. But that's, that's you have to take it on the chin. Um, as, as you say, with the racing at the moment, it's really difficult to to get excited so far with the jump season. I mean, it's difficult for us to get excited anyway. But um, in terms of like Wincanton yesterday, Rising Stars was disappointing. You got a five to six favourite in Mick Pastor and Captain Tomcat. You know, three runner race. Um, you know, Fal- Favoir got pulled out. 
Uh, obviously, Brave Man's Game was an early on runner, and and he just he just felt like like you know Goshen was pulled out, so you got Sir Royal that just basically had to turn up and run its race. Um, again, I'm like I think one that sort of did catch my eye. I know it's an obvious one; it's a bit of a blogger one, but I did like it. Was um, Eric Bloodaxe um, um, in Ireland yesterday at Nice? I don't know if you saw that. Yes, he looked fairly relentless, didn't he? Mm, um, I kind of I kind of liked his liked his way of going about things, and I think he's he's going to be one that'll um, get better and better. Um, this winter, so I, I thought that was a that was a promising performance, but that's a bit, telling nobody nothing there really. Um, onto the Breeders' Cup then, and obviously we had controversy with the uh, the, the Friday night race um, there at Del Mar, where Modern Games um, was withdrawn after his stablemate played up in the stalls. Albaha Albaha was withdrawn, um, and then. The, the vet decided that he was going to take modern games out, make the announcement. Uh, bizarrely was reinstated running for purse money. Now, I mean, I, I was asleep when that race went off. I, I was, I was done for the day. Um, so I'd never, I didn't watch it live, but seeing the reactions and the confusion, it sounded like the BHA was over there running things, John. Well, for a minute. Yeah. So I thought Dado Harding had gone from test and trace to running the American racing scene. <laughs> Um, I mean, it, it, the the whole thing just seemed to lack any common sense, didn't it? I mean, to me, if horses withdrawn at the start, that's it. You know, you can't be yeah. pissing about and putting them back in and what have you. I mean, somebody should have overall responsibility to say whether they're in or out. Yeah. And that, that's it then. No debate about it and certainly no reinstatement. I mean, it Another thing to consider, John, as well. Do you th- do you think you know, like, let's say if Modern Games had, so they've reinstated it. Um, what happens if Modern Games had broke down after after two or three, or, or just you know tailed off and came home distressed again? It's a, like you said, crazy decision for me. You'd say, well, you'd have seen more hand washing than in the whole of the COVID crisis, wouldn't you? Oh yeah. No, nobody wanted to stick their hand up to that one if it broke down. No. I mean, obviously, California, particularly Santa Anita, a lot of past problems with, you know, a lot of horses uh, dying on the racetrack, etc., and becoming and getting injured. Um, you would think that, you know, they, they'd have been very strict on that and said, no, you're not, you know, no, that's the decision and that's that. I, I honestly do not know what's gone off in the in the decision making there, but obviously, punters' confusion. Some bookmakers paid out. The unlucky thing is, if you play on Betfair, um, you're a non-runner, you're getting out. Uh, on the exchange, um, and it was, I mean, booing. They were booing in the stands, booing, John, booing yeah. it in. I, I can understand them, you know. I mean, I, I thought Linda Ramsden had had a winner for a minute when they were bringing... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally get where they're coming from, you know. I mean, there have been people backing that all week and thinking we'll go and get it, and... Then they're not going to get paid. You know, crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah, you'd definitely be sick if you're an exchange player. You know, if you've had a decent, decent pop yeah. on it. Um, you know, you 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 you're relatively seething. I mean, be one be one of those where you see see it's won the race in the results section, and then you get up thinking your balance is going to have gone up yeah. a substantial amount, and then non runner. Yeah, um, I'm a runner that won. 
Yeah, not good. Not good at a meeting as as high profile as this. Not good in any not good in any day's sport. Never mind the Breeders' Cup race. So, if you were affected by that, um, I, we uh, we feel sorry for you for all of a millisecond. <laughs> we'll move on to the Saturday fair, where it was some some shock results. Um, if you played the chalk like myself on some races, you were left licking your wounds and looking a complete fool, um, which didn't take much yesterday. Um, and looking at some of the, the main races, um, the first jolly to get absolutely goosed was Gamin. Um, uh, Gammon, as I called it after the race. Um, Vic, uh, Mick McCarthy won the race with Victor Espinosa on CC. What was hilarious about the, the Philly and Mayor sprint was um, that the, they decided to... Uh, butcher up the fab with Bella Sophia and try and take it on and they both ended up ruining their own race and CC just picked up picked up the uh, picked up the change um then did you watch the uh, Breeders Cup turf sprint John Golden Pal like a cannonball uh, yes. uh, hugely impressive wasn't he the chemical was yeah you know I mean uh, take nothing away from the horse I mean superb performance yeah, I mean, uh, Nick 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 Davis's Amstel went really flat after that. After he saw his bet Lieutenant Dan get chinned by that. I mean, it, it's. It, I mean, obviously the drug. Talk about the running drugs. into one. I you mean, want John? Talk about running into one. I mean, he, oh, no. he's beat the rest handsome, hasn't he? You know, I mean, he'd, he'd have been lauded to the skies for winning that if you take the winner out. Yeah, Davis was absolutely seething after that. Uh, Wesley Ward. Um, performance of Golden Pal and Tabor was 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 happy as Larry, um, which brings on to a question before we finish the analysis, and it comes from um, um, uh, Tommy Kennedy, and he says, "Why are Coolmore getting involved with horses trained by Baffert and Ward, who have such a terrible track record with drugs?" Um, I get your point, Tommy. You know, it's obviously, you know, it's not a clean sport. We know this, uh, despite. You know what what turf authorities and and organisations will tell us it's not clean and it probably never will be. Just like track cycling isn't, just like athletics will never be clean, and that's just how it is. But um, I would say Coolmore are involved with horses like Baffert and uh, trains like Baffert and Ward simply because obviously Baffert trained American Pharaoh. Uh, Coolmore are heavily invested in American Pharaoh over there, um, and obviously Wesley Ward. Um, you know, if you want a champion two-year-old sprinter or a champ, you know, who, who's you know, you saw what he did with Golden Palace. You know, they they just trap like they're incredible. They're making two or three lengths out of the stalls. It's it's ridiculous. Um, what do you think, John? Well, unless these horses such as Golden Pal are going to be found to have been on something, Wesley Ward's reputation won't matter a flying jot when they come to syndicate that as a stallion. Yeah. What will matter is the fact that it's absolutely hosed up in the Breeders' Cup turf sprint and uh, drew gasps from everybody, and they will be clamouring to get shares in this. And Comar, again, purely a business-based decision. They, they know none of the shit stick unless that was proven to have been doped last night and the chances are about a thousand to one so yeah you know uh, we're on safe ground there i think and 
Yeah, I mean, it's obviously Coolmore definitely like branching out all over the world. I mean, it's. I mean, this brings on to another point that um, you know, Philbo Bagshot makes. Um, he said, "Is is is this a genuine changing of the guard?" Godolphin obviously three winners over the two days um, at the Breeders' Cup, um, you know, and Ballydoyle zero. Um, or is this a case of maybe one swallow doesn't make a summer? I think Colmar was having an except, uh, exceptionally poor season on the Group 1 front in Europe and they didn't have a particularly strong team going there, whereas Appleby, I mean, he's had what, two winning favourites and I think it was about third favourite year there, wasn't it? Something like that. You know, yeah. and these races with clear chances going into it. I don't think anything astonishing has happened that would suggest a, a massive change around, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, every year they've still got, I don't know, 100 Galileo mares depositing falls on the ground. Chances are two of them out of every 100 is going to be absolute champions. So, you, you, you know, I mean, I think the odds are still very much stacked in favour of Colmar at the minute. Yes, yeah, so we, we could be looking at just a, a bit of a random... Uh, lean patch, which does happen, you know. I mean, um, if you followed Galileo as a sire year by year, you know, he had a, he had a couple of b- bad years towards the end of his uh, 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 spunk spreading duties, um, and you know, he that's that's just how it is. It's you know, you, you you're going to get these uh, variances, uh, same in anyone's betting or anyone, you know, what you thinks. Uh, blackhead turns up being white. It's just that's how it is for the time. But I'm in your camp, John, on that. I think I think Ballydoyle for a good while will, be, will still be top of the train. I am dubious about uh, some of Charlie Appleby's horses, as I've, as I've made clear on this com- uh, podcast. I'm not saying categorically that they're, they're, they're juicing, but let's put it this way. In North America, um, a lot of time analysts I follow have, have basically said Godolphin continuously this summer, unlike any other summer, uh, they've carried on producing top top rating after top rating and matching them and backing them up and not bouncing off the... I mean, look at the, the horse that we wanted to take on at Newmarket. Um, you, you know, the one. Um, yeah. And, um, and and we said, well, we that's it for the season. We put that away. They bottomed that. And then it's come out two weeks later, fresh as a daisy. And there's there's part there's things that I just find I don't know it's just the, the same authors like Space Blues for example um, that that won um, won the Breeders Cup Turf Mile um, he's he's been Group Three Group Two you know and he's he has finally made it into a genuine Group One top class horse but you know. <laughs> A lot of their horses are just running out of the skin all the time. It literally is. I mean, like even admits Appleby, thirty-one percent this year. Thirty-one percent. These are these are serious numbers. Um, and like you say, you I think you've got to ask questions sometimes. You know, Zaruni did it. Um, you know, for the same operation. So who knows? I don't know. But it's just it just seems unnatural to me. Um, some of their performances repeatedly. Anyway, we'll, we'll look at the rest of the card. Um, Life is Good was very impressive in the dirt mile. Um, just absolutely blitzed them. Uh, talk of that, that they should have gone for the uh, classic. Um, 
Love's Only You won the Philly and Mayor Turf. And um, uh, I got a bit of stick on Twitter from a few dissenters when I, I, tweet, I tweeted last night I wasn't happy with the ride Ryan Moore gave Love job. Really weird, wasn't he, all the way? Um, yeah. And uh, he, he didn't seem as though he could make his mind up when he, when he wanted to go to me. I mean, it was probably tricky stuck out there. Um, but that's why he'd pay the huge return, you know, to deal with being stuck out there. Um, I'm not saying she should have won or anything like that, brother. I was just like we were saying, have a better trip somehow. Yeah, I thought it was a rough trip. Um, you know, basically, some people disagree with me. What do you think, uh, listeners? Do you think Love got a bad ride? I did. Um, I was moaning pretty early. Um, <laughs> which, which might have been the theme of the day yesterday, but, but I was moaning pretty early. Um, Odaya certainly didn't look um, in much form. Um, I know that she, she didn't get probably the, the clearest of runs, but she, she looked a bit flat to me um, in that. And obviously the uh, the Japanese ended up winning, I thought, from an unlucky second in my sister knot of Chad Browns. I thought that probably should have won the race. Um, got a little bit of bit of traffic problems. And probably Quentin, who said on the show he didn't think Love was any anywhere near as good this year. And probably there's a bit of, bit of pocket speak from myself regarding Ryan Moore and Quentin was probably right in that that love definitely is not nowhere near uh, the level she was um, last year. Um, the Breeders' Cup sprint for chalk backers like me, probably Davis laughing his head off. Um, Jackie's Warrior uh, went off a very, very heavily back two to one on shot and was very heavily bet on the machine as well on the exchange into four to six. Um, and she ran very disappointing in the, uh, in the, uh, Sorry, he, he ran very disappointing in the uh, Breeders' Cup sprint, which obviously is very costly for me because I took the odds against. Um, and th- I was feeling rather p- pleased with myself when I s- sort of got four to six on Betfair, but there we go. Um, uh, Space Blues in the mile. Did you? What do you think to the Breeders' Cup turf mile, John? Did you? Did you? I was extremely disappointed because obviously my ass was withdrawn. Um, oh, of course, yeah, 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 yes, of course, Master of the Seas, your big bet, yeah. I, I was hanging on hoping it might get reinstated, but no, <laughs> no such luck for me. Um, no. I thought Space Blows did what you'd probably expect Space Blows to do, looking at the race on paper, but again, I wasn't particularly thrilled with the overall standard of the race, that's why I thought Master of the Seas was such a good bet, given its guineas form, but we shall never know now. No, yeah, you've got a good point, really, because like you say, I, will, I, I mean, Space Blues winning a turf mile kind of told you the level we're at. Space Blues is a good horse. I'm not knocking him. He's really, very solid, very consistent. But, you know, I've never seen him as a as a top, top uh, yeah. gr- uh, group group one horse. Um, so that's how it is. Um, the Distaff, um, obviously, we've got Latruska beat. I don't think any of us like Latruska that much on the pod. Um um, sadly for Quentin, his Royal Flag finished fifth uh, in the distaff and won again by the Japs with uh, O'Sheen at, 50, at 50s, a bullseye for, for Billy Bunters. A, a bit a big shock in the in the distaff. I know, they've been having to say no to a few glasses of sake last night, Lonnie. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's just a real shock. And then, just to, just to piss you off um, in the Breeders' Cup turf, you thought here we go. I might have got one here. 
I might have got one with Broom. Um, you know, a nice pick at twenties. Well, very well back was Broom. I, I backed it. I backed it earlier in the week. They at thirty-three to one as well. So. Yeah, I mean, I bet you're thinking I've done it. I've, I've finally done it. Well, and. Um, yeah, and then and then lo and behold, uh, the good old uh, Charlie Appleby juice kicks in. Ugh, you know, sickening scenes. But there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and then if everyone stayed up and didn't fall asleep, um, Nick's go got a very soft lead in the uh, classic. Um, I felt anyway. No one wanted to be the sacrificial lamb to take on the lone, the the the, the outright pace. Which again, if one does, you probably get a different result. Um, I thought Quentin's pick, uh, essential uh, quality, was 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 a bit back. Didn't get the greatest of breaks and ended up on the back foot quite early. And that was that's chance done and nothing taking on Nick's go on the front. That kind of just sealed the deal. Do you do you, do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the race was a bit of a non-event really, wasn't it? You know, in fact, there was soft laid, It was curtains. Right, that's enough Saturday talk. Uh, we're moving on to um, our next discussion point, which is um, the rancid um, Owen Patterson. And I think everyone was, if you've not been li- listening to politics this week at any point, uh, just to explain it, that Owen Patterson uh, was reinstated uh, by the government after a vote uh, in Parliament, disgracefully, in my view, um, for obviously lobbying um, and and lobbying companies to, to, to get, get contracts and he was reinstated then Boris did his usual clown car uh, uh, U-turn and uh, said no no you're out again uh, in out in out so have a vote but then decide no no you're out um, typical Boris there and sadly um, this sort of had repercussions for racing John well massively so really and um, um, I mean, the Owen Patterson business really is a vile, sorry affair. Reeks of corruption. I mean, he even weaponised the tragic death of his wife in a bid to walk away from this Scotland Ray. Um, I mean, here's a picture of the corruption we're dealing with. He had a £100,000 job with Randocks, probably persuaded them to sponsor the Grand National while his wife was chair of Aintree. Mm-hmm. Randox was then awarded a £133 million contract with Circle Group Test and Trace, which was run by Serial Failure and Darling of the Jockey Club, Dido Harding. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Patterson was paid £500 an hour to advise for Randox. Um, Dickon White, North West Regional Director for Jockey Club Racecourse, he said at the time, it's been a fantastic partnership over the last few years and we've been extremely impressed with their operation. Words that could probably come back and bait him on the heart. Um, Jockey Club Racecourses is wholly owned by the Jockey Club, which in turn is governed by a royal charter. So if we want to know how far up this goes, um, and part of the charter says to act for the long-term good of British racing. Greedy Betty is its patron. <laughs> um, Randock's winning that th- 133 million contract for COVID testing without any other firms getting the chance to bid, and despite them being short on equipment. And two weeks before this was announced, 
Randox moved their operation to a tax haven. The government made, then made Randox tests mandatory for travel. Randox then reported £218 million in revenue. Millions are getting turned over here. Uh, we should probably be grateful Patterson wasn't on the five grand an hour instead of a monkey. Um, now, in this vote, 250 MPs voted in favour of ripping up the standards in the House of Commons this week. 250 public servants who think the rules should apply to us, they'll vote to sanction benefit recipients on £72 a week. Every man jack of them would do that. But not any sort of sanctions on MPs on 80 grand a year. That is what represents us, and that's what we're up against. Dido Hardin of the Jockey Club, 39 billion quid on test and trace. No sign of where the money went. All into private coffers. And don't worry if she doesn't get a seat chair in another quango because she'll be popping up on a racing committee in AAO soon. She's deputy chair court of the Bank of England, according to a Twitter fade. And it says she's passionate about health, digital and horse racing. Obviously, an anti-corruption champion husband who is the anti-corruption czar for this joke of a government, voted for corruption as one of the 250 villains in the vote. In a nutshell, in, if the House of Commons was a place of work, Patterson would be facing the sack for being corrupt. But because his workmates gathered round and held a vote, which he too could vote in, it was decided he wasn't corrupt after all, and everything should carry on as normal. Now, does that sound like the workplace of any of the listeners? Probably not. Please get in touch if it does. <laughs> he says he wants to... He's, he's quitting as an MP, but he'll remain as a public servant. But outside the cruel world of politics, that'll be the cruel world that expects its public servants not to be bent, I would imagine, you know? Now, in order for any society to function... There has to be a consensus on common decency. Racing mirrors and gives strength to shit shows like what have occurred last week. Mired amongst all this sewage is the sickening involvement of people like Dido Harding, Owen Patterson, Matt Hancock, to whom several top people in racing make donations to on a regular basis. The names can be found on their work for you. We're encouraged by the racing media to cheer these people when they have winners. These donations to somebody with a healthy expense account. I mean, some of these are laughably listed as help with travel expenses, for God's sake. You couldn't make it up. That money could have gone elsewhere where it could have done some good. But as we know, racing is mired in back scratching. And the selfish, arrogant shits would much rather grace a fat pig's ass and give two bob to somebody that actually needs it. We have a BHA that cannot even pick up the baton on bullying, sitting there with its fingers crossed or up its ass, that leaking the details of a case will enable them to brush something else under the carpet, and a jockey club that elects its members on a nod and a wink, and safe haven for the likes of Harding, who walks from one disaster to another, like some sort of charmed demolition woman, if she was on the tills at Asda, she'd be long gone and worried about her benefits being sanctioned. Nobody's calling them out on this. 
The problem is this, and this is why racing needs to get its house in order. It will cop for the backlash from this when it sinks in about randox. The further you distance yourself from the most basic tenets of public standards, the less you deserve to have anything. Racing's heading down that road with its insular, incompetent idiots in charge. Jockey Club washed the hands of regulatory stuff in 2007 so they could concentrate on the big corporate beast of making money. On their website, there's a link entitled The Lifestyle. The seven subsections. Welcome to our world. There's no ethnics at all. Looking for, everybody looks like they're from their home counties. Cook with us, three white middle-aged chefs. Get race fit. Former SAS bloke, white. The great outdoors. Then our sommelier tips. Neil Phillips, no photo, but I'll have a grand with anybody. He's 40 to 60 and white. Style and fashion. <laughs> three chinless wonders in the main picture. Francesca Camani, stylist. Sarah Kate Byrne telling us what to wear. Certainly don't wear a burka. You've got no chance of featuring on the website. Erin <laughs> Beauty. Three ladies from the Emirates in the main pick, but that's it. No blackfaces anywhere on the site, as far as I can see. Graphic to promote Michelle Rowe, who was lambasted for not meeting minimum wage requirements for his kitchen staff in 2016. They had to give thousands to his staff in back pay when he was exposed. So they've always kept sketchy company. Let's not forget, none of these jockey club shag sacks are voted in by any of us. They're voted in by each other. If your face fits, you get to be a member. If not, don't even think about trying to join. It's been Masonic, clicky and corrupt for generations. My colleague Catherine Price said she's considering walking away from racing because she finds all this shit associated with it such a turn-off. Not me. I'm sticking with it. And I'm going to make it my work to call out every one of these double-shined bastards every time they step out of line. Make idiot decisions are morally indefensible ones. I'm going nowhere unless it's to park outside their houses with a megaphone. Absolutely outstanding. Um, that's a terrific rant, John. And just about agree with every single word of it. Um, just a couple of uh, points from uh, listeners. Um, uh, Adam Swan, race race course bookies, got in touch. Uh, hello, Adam. Cheers for your uh, your questions. Um, Basically, he says, uh, what's the chances of the Randox brand becoming so tainted, um, you know, in the weeks, months ahead, um, the Jockey Club race courses will have to end the sponsorship deal early? What, what do you think to that? I don't think they'll end it unless they're absolutely forced to. I think they'll just keep their heads down in the true fashion of racing and uh, hope nothing happens and get yeah. to the end of the sponsorship because that would mean seeking out a new sponsor. Yeah, um, and Jane Foy's been in touch. Thanks for the uh, for the question, Jane. She says, "Is is is there st- hypocrisy within racing? Say, regards Sheikh Mohammed and views around Randox. Both employ hundreds in the UK, so I can understand a hesitant approach by by many. Uh, but only one of these seems untouchable. Possibly. Um, I mean." I have a fair degree of contempt for both. Yeah. You know? um, I mean, he said that uh, obviously the 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 sheikh is not going to be invited to the uh, the royal box. I don't think 
uh, for our Ascot anymore. Uh, that's I think that's been public, publicly said. Um, but apart I'm, from that... I'm more interested in, in seeing Vanny Erlin's crop up on Kenny Betty's roster because that yeah. wasn't something that gets scrutinised terribly. No. Like, like yeah, so, yeah. So, the, the, yeah. Mm. Interesting if if that, that kind of thing happens. Um, that's a fantastic rant, John. Got to say, um, blew me away that one. And I hope listeners appreciate that. The standard uh, of broadcast there is a high one, and um, we cover things that you know main racing media pods or you know won't go there. Um, so brilliant, John. On that, uh, we'll leave that, and we'll, we'll certainly. I'd love some feedback from you on John's rant because I think that was uh, worthy of. You know, a round of applause there. Um, right, we'll move on to the next subject, which is um, Safer Gambling Week. Uh, obviously, this week, uh, we tend to do it now. Things on Twitter, we'll have a we'll have a something, something month or something. And we've done a Safer Gambling Week to highlight the problems uh, with problem gambling in the game, which should be taken seriously. Uh, I'm an advocate of, um, you know, people getting as much help as deemed necessary by professionals uh, to help people that have a gambling addiction. And let's be straight on this. Gambling is an addiction. Um, I've seen several uh, professional punters highlight stuff that, well, uh, you, you should just learn to get better. It's not a case of learning to get better. It is a disease. Um, it's an addiction where you just, you've had no self-control. It's absolutely, you can't, it can't, can't be taught. It's the dopamine. It's everything that's going through the system and it ruins people's lives. And that's something that I'm, I'm, I support and certainly look at things that need to be done on that, on that aspect, John. But um, what concerns me at the moment is the amount of quangos lobbying um, I've read that you know the Gambling Commission gave £2.6 million to Matt Zarb Cousins Company, um, you know, in in return for use of his software. There's lots of shady, dodgy stuff going on. Um, and basically it's to the detriment of punters that enjoy a bet, have no problem. Uh, bookmakers are in charge of the hen house, the, the old fox, fox bookmakers. Um, they're the ones that's doing all the damage by um restricting customer accounts that are just genuine customers and leaving the casino players alone. Um, you know, lots of stories this week uh, on Twitter where uh, apparently Skybet Vegas have been sending people that are self-excluded casino slot emails and they shouldn't be doing that. There's, you know, this is really, uh, the bookmakers have really gone low, the lower of the low in my eyes on this. Forget about taking a bet. I know most people say, well, they don't take bets, and I know that's an aspect. But they've gone lower than low in doing this. They, they, they're alienating horse racing and sports punters just because they want to keep the the, the high roller uh, slot casino punters where it's just about guaranteed money. And it's a disgraceful practice. They use, they use it under the disguise of affordable gambling. And this is where uh, things really need, to, the government needs to take control and listen to people from both sides. These lobbyists are just going on about gambling harm, right? Gambling does harm a lot of people. and But when you put it into context, alcohol destroys uh, just as many, if not more, lives. 98,000 people a year fall victim to alcohol uh, uh, deaths, diseases, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, racing, uh, sorry, gambling uh, producers around 550 to 650 suicides per year that are gambling related. So we have to put it into perspective and context. And that's what I believe we're not doing. Again, it's nanny state kind of propaganda we're getting about, you know, well, Ian Duncan Smith says we should only be allowed to have £100 a month on maximum. Um, so we're only allowed to lose £100 a month and then we've got to stop. Idiots like this that have absolutely zero clue. No one even asks people in the industry, well, what do you think? You know, it's all these lobbyist quangos that are popping up right, left and centre and they haven't got the foggiest between them on, on the solution for all this. The solution to them is the single customer view, which is them basically sharing all the data, which means, John, when you've got five bookmaker accounts that you've sort of still got an hanging on to, if you win with one of them, they can see you've had a good right old had it right off with one of them, and then the rest can buy you because you're a winner. They will misuse that data just like they've misused this data uh, on affordability checks to get rid of genuine punters and customers over keeping, and they're, they're the ones that's, that's took the fall for the casino players. And it's a disgrace, and it really needs to stop, and someone in government needs to, to hear this side of the story. Um, and I, I do think we're in for dark times. Even so, the BHA this week, right, the BHA are retweeting safer gambling, right? They're not promoting betting, which they should do. They should do it with a caveat. They should be saying, we, we respect safer gambling, but betting is, is a fun pastime enjoyed by many within the sport. None of that. It was just all about anti-gambling. The BHA, the, the, this is where their money comes from, basically punters. And they are, again, highlighting something that, what are you doing? You should be promoting, you should be highlighting that, but in a clever way and basically saying, look, yes, but many enjoy a bet and it's and it's it's a valuable, um, uh, you know, way for, 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 to enjoy the sport. We That's how we get our, um, our, our prize money from the levy, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that it should be, it's a sport to be enjoyed for betting. And But none of that, it was just literally all, you know, Problem gambling. I, I'm I don't, I'm severely worried for the sport, John. And rightly so. Um, the the cartel of big bookmakers must be in agreement with this to a certain extent because if they wanted to snuff all this out, all they'd have to do is buy half a dozen Tory MPs, and they're well capable of doing that. You know, I mean, there's the likes of Phil Davis estimate there, nodding Doris. You know, they're all up for grabs there. I mean, you'd probably get Nodding Doris, the culture secretary. You'd probably get her on board for a packet of fags and a box of after eight. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I mean you, you know, you... I've seen in the post today that they were interviewing Shilton, you know, um, who says he doesn't believe there's any justification for advertising gambling in foot, on football shirts. We must protect our children, you know, I mean, absolute carbon rubbish. Um, he had attended Downing Street with a signet, uh, petition with 12,000 signatures on. Now, that sounds mighty impressive until you actually think, well, 12,000 people in a country of 60 million, it's actually 0.02% of the population that have demonstratively agreed with Shilton. I thought, I thought Jeff Banks made a very good point, actually, about this affordability checks and safer gambling. He said, nah, alcohol kills 98,000 people every year in the UK. 
it's hospitalised hundreds of thousands, causes misery, abuse and worse in families. There's no affordability checks. It isn't subject to widespread anti-drinking rhetoric from the media, nor a single MP. We're so selective. And I thought that was excellent from Jeff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, again, it's all about perspective. Um, and this is where I feel this is kind of like some kind of unnecessarily evil that's coming to our... It, uh, the bookmakers embrace this. You, you make a good point about lobbying. Um, and you know yourself. When the bookmakers are in trouble, i.e. there's something they don't like, like when they reduced the uh, FOBT stakes on the yeah. machines, they were they were squealing like a you know like a like a drowning pig. It, it was it was it, it, they, they were absolutely bleat. Oh, this will cost the industry millions of jobs. Blah, blah blah. This this is unworthy. They were absolutely off their off their noodle, and they they were lobbying all over the place to make sure that 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 they didn't get banned. It, you know, FOBTs could continue, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and like you say, with this affordability check, if they wanted, yeah, the bookmakers right. straight, yeah, they could go straight to their MPs and say, no, we don't want any of this. But the re- there's a reason they do want it. They want it because they're using it for their own ends to get rid of genuine punters. The BHA are powerless, I admit, um, but they've got a big shock coming in years ahead, um, and people should listen to this because if you can't get a bet on, there's no levy, and that's it. There's no there's there's no levy. Um, and there's lots of punters, not just winning. I'm not on about winning punters, forget winning punters. I'm on about just general punters that have lost their accounts, and there's plenty of them because they've, they've spoke to me. I've had plenty of DMs uh, over the last six months of, of punters that even admit they're losers and said, I don't understand that. I can't have a bet anymore. You know, we bet fair, and, and people are. And it's, it's, this is what I'm saying. It, it's, it's a very dangerous route to take. Um, and Whilst it is safe for gambling week, as I said, I, I'm an advocate of, 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 of protecting people from harm, that, you know, and, and, and there's more should be done on that. But we need to sit around the table and discuss it. Everyone should. And come up with a sensible solution that works for everybody. Not this ban it, stop it, get it get it off this shirt, don't have any TV advertising, don't do this, don't do It's just rubbish. It's just they've got no idea what they're talking about. And that's the problem that they don't listen and they're not willing to listen and sit around and discuss. And I'm sorry, but if they get the way on this, um, racing's in trouble um, because you, the only place you'll be able to get a, get a bet on is, is on course in time. I mean, the on course bookmakers, they, they could be the ones that as, as have the revival as, as everyone floods back to the course, you know, to get, to get a bloody bet on, um, you know, like in the old uh, tax free days. Uh, you know, it's one of those. It's full circle. Weird. Anyway, um, good subject topic. We'll move on to our final subject, which is uh, the bane, I think, of many uh, many tweets, is the ITV racing uh, Jeep camera angles, John. Um, do you like them? No. <laughs> that in a nutshell? No. No. I, I mean... They don't seem as though they want to listen to anybody that's had a bet, ever, do they? You know what I mean? I know. I'm I'm trying to sort of like look at this objectively because people just say, oh yeah, but you you bet in running or you, or you do and you're just doing it for selfish reasons, um, and it's just your your view. I some people say I actually quite like the close-ups of the horses, but I, I argue that it's all right liking the the close of the, the horses. But again, at Wincanton, there was a couple of races where I couldn't uh, and at Aintree, I couldn't see. The horse that I'd back jump its hurdle because they were too zoomed in on the first five yeah. or four or five. 
I didn't. I, it was the top of the back straight at entry, one hurdle. I ain't got a clue how it jumped it. No idea. And and I think the people that are doing this, it's it's like it's like you say that you can see them trying to award themselves an award of awards for, for oh, TV. Yeah. You know, for TV camera work as some kind as if it's special. When the best view they've actually got is the original cameras they've got in the stands. You know, like the old wing canter. You don't need a car cam going around wing canter. It's it's not a, a a vast track. It's not you know it's it's a fairly you know I wouldn't say tightish, but it's a good viewing track. It's you know it, it, you don't need a car cam going around you know putting it down the nostrils of the horse. It, I mean that's something that I wish they'd use like drone cams and things like that potentially after a race so you can get a different angle and perspective on yeah. say, you know, rather than use it for the main coverage, I wish they'd just bite that up with, you know. Um, oh, the live coverage is horrendous if you're having a bet. Yeah. Or even yeah. a bet. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, Ellen, Ellen Sheridan messaged in and she she said the, the Breeders' Cup, the I, although the ITV feed was NBC, um, she said the Breeders' Cup feed that the ITV used was dreadful. You got... You basically, she she was wanting to see the photo finishes and that, and she said she claimed that ITV weren't going to the, the, the. I just think, again, it's the ITV racing coverage for me. It's it's not about betting. It's not about it's not about the why I'm involved in the sport. You know, it's it's just nothing to do with that. It's something else. You know, it's all about. It's, I don't know what it's about. Should tell uh, but it's jolly up basically. Yeah. It's it's just not it's not promoting the sport as as such as as what it should be promoted for. Um, you know, which I mean, I watched um, some of the at the races coverage, Sky Sports Racing, yeah. and they went I think to another feed, and they were genuinely talking about different bets you can have, like yeah. like oh, you could have this if you have this wage, if you have a pick six, this is what you do, and 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 it'll you know it's it's a good way of like. Yeah. They were promoting betting, and that's the whole point of it. You know, no, there's not many people in the game. I know they do exist, but there's not many people in the game that just watch it and don't have a have a have a, have a financial interest. It's it's just it's a pastime. Um, you know, owners and owners have been doing it since the, the since the Middle Ages, turning up on the downs with the with the <laughs> best or fastest and having a bet against another owner. That's yeah. the whole point. Absolutely. It's, anyway, it's just uh, it's a rant, really. I'm, I'm sick of these camera angles, ITV racing. Stop them, use them for post race analysis, and add it to the quality of the coverage that you can provide with the normal camera angles that everyone's enjoyed uh, from years gone by. Um, it's just to uh, take the tip. Um, right, I think that's about it. Um, I've enjoyed this show, John, and, and your rant in particular. I, I particularly yeah. enjoyed. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's uh, let's let's hope the the listeners give good feedback on that because it deserves it. So that's all from uh, me and John. We're back on Friday. I, I think we're trying to get Fry out of the cellar for Friday. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a difficult job sometimes. John only lets her out on certain occasions, but we're trying to get her out on Friday with Andy Richmond's back on Friday. Um, so there's that it'd be, it'd be the four of us. I think doing Friday's show. So don't miss that one. Have a good week punting. Hope it's better than than I managed it yesterday. And um, yeah, hope you're safe and well. And we'll see you again on Friday. Cheers. Bye for now. Right, the show's over, boys. Thank you very much.